This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I'm joined as always with Jim Sebastio. We're going to jump right in here in just a minute, but before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com. That is the best way to contact us. It's the best way to just gain uh, access to our resources. Uh, sign up to come stay at the Shepherd's House. Two nights, two days at our cabin on the beautiful hills of Kentucky. It's all free. You just got to get yourself there. There's tons of resources, so I would encourage you to go and, and access those things. You can also uh, go to the donate page and help with a financial gift to help support the ministry. That would be a really helpful way to, to encourage us and to support the work that, that we are doing, including the work, Jim, of these podcasts, which we now have uh, over 200 episodes. And we want to say I'm grateful for those who write into us and ask us to cover certain topics. In fact, today, the topic today is one of those that somebody sent in and asked us about. And we want to talk about it because we think it's a, it's something that a lot of pastors are dealing with now. And quite frankly, Jim, we don't talk a lot about this topic. We mm. talk about the top, <clears throat> the topics that lead to this, mm-hmm. uh, but not this one. So here's what I mean. The topic we want to talk about today is how does a pastor use his collateral that he eventually builds and becomes the trusted pastor. In other words, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time saying, here's how you go into a church, you faithfully do ministry, you preach the word, you, know, you love the people, you do all those kinds of things. One, to be a faithful pastor, and two, to realize you've got to earn the trust of the congregation. And that doesn't happen in months, it happens in years. And so naturally, we spend a lot of time talking about how pastors can earn that trust. Because until you earn the trust, they don't follow you. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. We talk a lot about that. What we don't talk a lot about, which we want to cover today, is what happens when you actually do earn the trust of the people. We got we yeah. got to talk a lot about sure. it. earn the trust, earn the trust survive, right. Right. don't get fired in the first few years. But some some guys are asking, okay, I actually start to feel the ship turn, mm-hmm. and this congregation is starting to receive the word. This congregation is Actually, they're wanting me to come visit them in their home. They're wanting mm-hmm. me to come to the hospital and see them. And that's a beautiful thing when that happens to a pastor. And, and by the way, it doesn't happen overnight. So it's something pastors should watch for as they just do faithful ministry over the course of several years. So what we want to talk about today is, Jim, as a pastor's ministry change when that collateral starts to build up. Right. And a congregation starts to trust a, uh, the pastor and they start following him, and then he's actually really able to lead them. So that's what we want to talk about. We kind of set this up biblically around how we understand this. Brian, the text that came to mind is in First Thessalonians chapter two. Okay. And in First Thessalonians uh, chapter two, Paul utilizes parental imagery, both of a mother and of a father. And he describes the reception of the word, both in chapter 1 and going into chapter 2, how and why the Thessalonians received the word of God from them. And part of that is rooted in the kind of thing that builds collateral. So it's rooted in their integrity, rooted in their hard work, rooted mm-hmm. in the way that they handle the word of God, yeah. uh, those kinds of things. And it built a, a, a trust and a love on the part of the Thessalonians. And Paul then describes how he uh, utilized that collateral, as it were, the, that ability of a people who love you and who trust you. Uh, what does your ministry look like when you're you're not trying to convince them of your gifts, of your integrity, of your affection? They already know that. 
Uh, and so he talks about that we were like nursing mothers among you, uh, that we were um, gentle and, and all of that. He talks about how they, how much he loved them, how he was well pleased to impart to them not only the gospel but his own life because they had become dear. And then he moves into this talking about uh, a father with his children. Hmm. And he says there, for you you know how, this is uh, verse 11, how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. And, and then he can say there, and, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you uh, believers. And, and again, there's so much in that passage that yeah. we can uh, open up. But I think what, you, what he is recognizing is that he has an opportunity now to draw very close to them, to give exhortation, to give charge, to give encouragement. Uh, some of that is what we might consider more positive, but some of that also would carry with it the idea of reproof and rebuke. But the idea of exhortation, a parakaleo, the, the coming alongside, being called alongside somebody, ability to put your arm around somebody, ability to look them in the eye, the ability to be able to say things to them that may be hard things to say, that maybe in the past you thought, I don't know that I'm there yet, I don't know that we have the relationship yet for me to be able to look a guy in the eye and say, you're really bad at this, or you, you, you need to... Uh, I've watched you as a dad. I've watched you as a husband. Uh, I, I've, I have seen the way you try to serve. I've watched you interact with others. You're awkward. You, your breath smells. I mean, whatever it is that you can come <laughs> alongside a guy and say, look, you're just really super awkward. Yeah. And that guy will be able to hear you and take it because they know that you are also gentle among them like a nursing mother, and, and, and you came alongside them. They have seen your life. They have seen your doctrine. They've seen your ability to handle the truth. They have confidence that you love them, and now you're able to do— uh, you're doing what you have been doing, but you're able to do it with a boldness and with a confidence and with a relational— uh, a relationally deep way that may not have been able to be there in your early years. Yeah, that's really good. I, I also, I was thinking about, I think First Peter 5 comes to mind with this too, because mm -hmm. it says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And then he says, do it this way, not this way. Do it this way, not this way. And I would say that that comes to mind because I think he's given us a formula on how to earn the trust of the flock. Uh, to not just a formula, not just a blueprint, really. To be here's how you faithfully shepherd the flock. That's what he's right, ultimately right, right, doing. Right, right. But for our conversation today, I think that's what he's giving the the pastors there. He's he's saying, do it this way, not this way, because one, to care for the flock, what to shepherd the flock well, but also to endear the flock to you, to trust right. you, to want to from them to want to receive your ministry. And so we talk a lot about on here, Jim, that you know pastors go in and think just because they were given a title and a salary and a position and maybe a house to live into, mm -hmm. live in, that they all of a sudden become the pastor. Right. But that's just not the way this works. You become the pastor through caring well for the flock and you earn that trust. We were, we've been using the word collateral. I think this is a helpful just metaphor to think about 
almost like a bank account that is adding, just accumulating right. wealth right. in it. And every time you pick a battle, every time you deal with something hard, every time you try to do what you just said, say something hard to somebody else in, in confrontation or rebuke or correction or whatever it might be, something that's really hard to receive from somebody, you're going to burn through that that collateral mm-hmm. that's in the bank. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that metaphor is a helpful way to to think about this. And when a pastor starts, he doesn't he doesn't have any collateral. Right. And matter of fact, I think in most contexts, especially going into an established church, often church revitalization context we talk about, the pastor is not the pastoral office is not trusted. So you're not starting at ground zero. You're starting actually in a negative. Right. So if you think about in the in a bank account metaphor, if we continue that, most pastors enter into their first day on the job with a deficit in right. the bank account. So you got to build that back up to zero, right. and then you got to build it back up. We've talked about that in the past. We can point you to some other podcast episodes around right. that. What we want to talk about today is how, what are, how do you lead and how do you shepherd, and does it change? Do you adjust once that collateral has been built in the bank and the congregation trusts you and wants you to spend it on right. them, in a sense? So before we go there, I think it's kind of two areas I want to hit today, I think, Jim. One is... Uh, let's talk about how does a pastor recognize he's actually becoming the pastor? You know, how, how does a pastor recognize these, these people are beginning to trust me? They're, they're actually beginning to see me as the pastor, no longer just a hired hand preacher, but like, right. I'm their pastor. Mm-hmm. Let's first talk about how does somebody, how does somebody recognize that? Because we got to be aware of when that happens. Right. Otherwise, we could jump the gun too much on this. Right. And then the second thing you know, I want us to talk about is that then do we lead differently? Or how does a pastor lead knowing he's got that kind of collateral? Yeah, effect? that's so really go, good. Really let's good go back first to the... So, Jim, let's go back and forth. Let me throw one thing out there that a pastor should be watching for to see, okay, I'm starting to become the pastor. What's one thing you would say? Yeah. So, Brian, I'm going to put probably all of this ultimately into two big categories, publicly and privately. Okay. So, in publicly, uh, when they go from, you know, saying, uh, you know, maybe thank you, Pastor, or uh, thank you for your preaching, to very specifically recognizing that they are benefiting in very practical ways. Thank you for saying that. I know that wasn't easy. Thank you for applying that the way that you did. Thank you for speaking plainly to us. When they appreciate uh, and are thankful for specifics, I think in yeah. your in your public ministry and articulate it, like you said, and articulate to it you. to yeah. you, right? Yeah. Maybe they send you a text. They might send you an email, a card. Yep. May say it to your face, but you begin to realize that there's a difference in how they they may have recognized that you're. Uh, a gifted preacher. They may have recognized that you're a faithful preacher. And so they, in a sense, began, had some trust, but now they're, the, the teaching and preaching is becoming much more home cooking. You're very much more dealing with them as, as you know them. You know, I think there is, you know, Jesus says in John chapter 10, that uh, you know, shepherds know their sheep. Yeah. Uh, they know their names. Yeah. They know their sheep, and the sheep know their shepherds. And there comes to be a recognition of that in your public ministry. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. And, and I think um, adding to that, I think it just it's kind of the same thing you were saying, but I just want to elaborate a little bit more on it. The the idea that you get specific feedback. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things to watch. So I, I want to get kind of tangible with this. The guy that used to come, he leaves church, and he kind of gives you a slap on the back and says, nice sermon. Right. All of a sudden, he starts saying, 
when you said this, right, that was helpful here. Yeah, and when you said that, that was that was helpful. Right, uh, I think that's when you begin to really that that's a tangible way to see that people are you know processing the the ministry of the word. I think another thing to add to that, as far as the public ministry, and then we can go private, is that when you see when people actually go out of their way. Mm-hmm. To talk to you about your public ministry, right? So one of the things that I hear from pastors all the time in the early years of the church that makes it discouraging—it's kind of a perfect storm—that people leave without saying anything, mm-hmm. or they just don't even acknowledge what you, what you did. And you're wanting the feedback as a right. preacher. And here's why it's a perfect storm: it usually is at our most insecure and vulnerable places a preacher right because we're usually younger and inexperienced with this and we're trying to learn so right. the time we need the most encouragement and specific feedback right. from people from a public ministry we get the least amount of right it. so i think that um that's where you can start to see it turn even just people who take initiative to come talk to you after the service in a way that they didn't before now that right. that just so that relational component starts to grow that is a really good sign that you are beginning to earn the credibility and the trust of the congregation. So, anything on a public, anything else public? You yeah, I, I think, and, and this is this goes along somewhat with what I'm saying because Brian, we mentioned in a previous podcast, you know, part of the way that we earn collateral in, in ministry is our ability, our competency with how we handle the Word of God, our integrity, and the confidence that we love the people. But coupling with this this whole thing of that, there 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 is a boldness that comes with addressing certain things publicly that is rooted in our integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul says to the Thessalonians, again, I, th- I think that's a very good letter. First Thessalonians is a very yeah, good letter to meditate on this because yep. he's going to say, you receive the word knowing what manner of men we were. Yep. Yep. And that is the ability to hear, like, I, you know, I don't want to hear Mark Driscoll speak on humility. You know, uh, I I just don't. That's I don't a fascinating wanna, example. But right, keep going. Right, but keep you going. know, no, I don't want to hear that. Be, or whatever the case might be, and, and yeah. you say, well, why? It's not not because maybe not, he could probably exegete the text on it. Maybe give a very good outline and powerful illustrations on it. But there's certain guys you don't want to hear on it. Yeah, yeah. But sooner or later, if we're going to preach the word in season, out of season, if we're going to be committed to things like a consecutive expository ministry, we're going to have to say confrontational things, hard things. There, there are, there are texts of scripture that soothe us. And there are texts of scripture that slap us in the face or grab our lapels and shake us and say, Hey, you need to pay attention to what's going on in your life. Yeah. And when people welcome that, when they let go of the, well, who do you think you are? Or you're just a kid. You don't know us. How dare you to, Pastor, no, that was hard. And and I could receive it from you because I've seen the way that you live. Yeah. You have the right as a husband, as a father, whatever, to stand there and to say some hard things to us because I've watched you over the years. Yeah. I know you're not perfect. And I know that you acknowledge those imperfections, but I also believe you're a man of integrity, mm-hmm. and that adds a power to the exegesis. The word is the word. The word is powerful yep. as it is. Yep. But Paul recognized that their own integrity and their own lives added 
a power and ability to speak and an ability to have that word heard by knowledgeable people who had seen their lives. That's an excellent point. Really excellent point. And, you know, I, that the example of my mind that comes out when you say that is there was a, I was preaching for, through first and second Samuel. Hmm. And I remember uh, preaching on you know, one sermon, which I would never choose to do unless I was forced to, because I can't mm-hmm. avoid the text is rape, incest, and murder as a sermon. Mm. And I remember preaching that sermon, and I had some some older, just wise, mature Christian woman who just came to the back and just said, she just said, thank you. Mm. And, you know, that was the last thing I was expecting to, to mm-hmm. hear. I usually had, think, expect to get pummeled with questions. Mm. And she said, thank you for being willing to preach that. Yeah. And, and th- that's where I learned a lot of lessons. But one, when she said that... Um, I, I'm less afraid of my Bible because you you preached great, that text. Great, great. Now, w- when that happens, that that her being willing to go say that, and for her to receive it in that way, versus you know all the ways that people could take a a really complicated and d- just hard text like that and read into motives with the things the pastor was right. saying. There's got to be a trust there to receive. And Brian, that. right, that's the kind of sermon a pastor can preach. That you know, I mean, a traveling evangelist or a guy who's coming in to preach, hey, what, what me to, hey, Brian, you want me to come preach on Sunday? I'm thinking about preaching on you know, Amnon and you know, Tamar. I, I, uh, I thought that would be a good passage to do. Oh, but, you know, or my first sermon series or something like yeah. that. You know, well, I'm going to work my way through the book of Judges as my first sermon series. Like, probably not right now. <laughs> But that's another thing, right? You, you know, to get back to this, you're you are able to preach other portions of the whole counsel of God that may not be wise to do. The Book of Judges probably shouldn't be your first book to preach, but it doesn't mean it should be ignored. Yeah, sure. uh, the Book of Job may not be the first book that you preach, but it shouldn't be ignored. First uh, and Second Samuel again may not be in your first two years of ministry. But if at some point you're not able to preach through difficult passages, I think this is part of collateral. It's part yeah, of the people saying, point. you have matured, you, you you know your Bible well enough, and we trust you well enough as a preacher to, to yeah. go through a journey on, on a portion of the word that is a bit more like going down the Amazon mm-hmm. than it is the Mississippi River. Yeah, that's good. And I just want to be on record, Jim, this is going to surprise you. <laughs> but in all the conference speaking I do, I've never done that Samuel sermon at a conference yeah. somewhere. Are you, are you well, surprised by that? I, or well, what? no, but although we did have a preacher once come and he preached from <laughs> Leviticus 15 on bodily emissions. Oh, man. I, I kid okay. you not. We should do a separate podcast on that one for sure. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Guest so, preaching. What should your, ser- what should your sermons don't be? Don't do that one. So we talked pri- public. Let's go. To, let's go to private. So how how does a pastor recognize that he's earning the trust in a in a private fashion? Like, give me one from you. Yeah, I, I think Brian. There are going to probably be some people the day one that you come to. They're going to open their heart to you, open their mouth to you. They're going to say, "It's probably going to be that person, that guy, that gal in the church, that older couple that have been very reserved, uh, who finally let down the guard around yeah, you. That's good, and and, and let you in." And so you're having breakfast with them, and almost all your breakfast, you know, college football comes up or basketball or fishing or whatever it is that they do, and he suddenly says to you, I'm really struggling. 
Yeah. I'm struggling morally. I'm, I'm struggling in the word. I'm struggling to love my wife. My kid's broken my heart, whatever like, it is. Like and you realize, out of nowhere, something like out that Out of comes, nowhere, yeah. and you realize, holy cow, that, he, he, just trusts, he yeah, trusts me. Yeah, that's a great me. point. Yep. So I think that's, that's, that's a, good, a good sign. I would, I would add to that, um, when you are requested to come to like the hospital or when mm. you are asked to come to the funeral home mm. or you know in, in a crisis, you're the one that they yeah. call you pretty much should probably become the pastor at that point right. in that person's life. So in, in the private fashion, like look for those opportunities where you're actually called upon and you're requested. Now, I also feel obligated to say this, that there are people who you're not the pastor yet who will request you to come right. because it's kind of what they expect you to do right. or what. But that those are fewer. I think most of the time if somebody, uh, if a pastor is not yet the pastor, he's right. having to find out there in the hospital like they don't even let him know right so he's finding out like five days later and he's like why didn't somebody tell me right when you become the pastor you actually the first people they call right to, to let let you know that and so look for the the pursuit of you from people is a sign and the the lack of is a sign you're not you're not the pastor yet and mm. that's okay mm. but it, you know what we're talking what we're talking about here is how do you recognize you've actually become the pastor? So right. these are the things you want to look for. Right. And that's what happens over the course of... And, and so I think you, you have to pursue them. You know, you almost have to try to go to the hospital several times to see them when they didn't ask for you to. Right. Before they actually, you actually become the one there, they're asking. But I have to say, as somebody who experienced this on several levels, because obviously, with, you know, people know my story. I mean, like I had people like hostile and after me. Right. And... When some of those people turned, mm. and I actually became their pastor, and I, mean, I, I can still remember it as, as clear as day. I'm sitting with this 90 year old widow, who one of the ladies who was after me, and she just she just looks at me at some point. I'm having tea at her, ta- you know, at her kitchen yeah. table like 10 years later, and she just looks at me and say, you know, I, I you know, just want you to know you're my pastor. Mm. I remember just her saying that to me. Well, so yeah. sometimes. In a private fashion, like you said, sometimes they'll just open up, right. but sometimes they'll literally just say that to you, and that's a real gift. I mean, yeah, and of course, when they say that, most of the time you already you already knew that by yeah. that time. Yeah, you should do. But, Shouldn't be a shock to you. But. but look for those times where yeah, where they open up to you and, and and end up sharing things with you that they they didn't share with you before. Here's one more example I'll give. Uh, there was a, a, a older deacon who was really cynical towards me. And was critical and didn't open up at all. And I had that one of those moments with him. I'm sitting with him at his house. Like It's like eight, nine years into my ministry right. with this guy. Spent a ton of time at his house just trying to go and sit with him and win him and, and get to know him and, you know, nothing. And then all of a sudden, he just, he just comes out just like what you said. And they, he just dropped something that was really personal and really mm. vulnerable. Yep. And you, I remember being in shock at the moment, like what, what just, like what right. just happened. So look for those opportunities where they're inviting you to, to care for them. But it usually comes from your constant pursuit of them right. over the course of, of years, not months. Any, anything else in the private? Yeah, uh, two mention? things come to mind, Brian. One is, one is uh, tokens of affection, words of affection yeah, or tokens good. of affection. Uh, and that's the kind of thing where maybe they go from the shaking of the hand to the hug and, and from the thanks for the sermon to I love you, Pastor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Paul says in First Thessalonians 5 that, um, that 
pastors are to be highly esteemed in love for the sake of their work. Uh, and, and that takes, that's really quite a combination of things there. It's, it's a high esteem, but, but it's coupled with love, and it is with a knowledge of, of what they do. Mm-hmm. And then I would add to that, Brian, and these are you know, two separate things in a sense, but also when the, the term that Paul uses, or the, the writer to the Hebrews, I, I, I won't get into whether I think Paul wrote that or not, uh, but the writer to the Hebrews, when he, when he says it's a, it's a term that's uh, obey those who have the rule over you, be submissive to them, Paul uses a word there, patho, uh, which is a word that means to be persuaded by. And it's, it's the idea of you, you trust a person enough that when they tell you something, that what they say has become weighty. Yeah. And it's rooted in trust. Okay. So it's like trust them. Be persuaded by them. Yeah. Uh, not just obey because they're your pastor, but the idea is, look, they, they should have your affection. They should have your heart. They should have your... They should have some persuasive um, collateral, again, whatever term you want to use with you as a result, again, uh, of how they live, how they labor, how they love, that it that when they say something, so again, somebody that used to always argue yeah. or somebody that was yeah. always, you know, your faithful opponent or whatever else, they start saying more and more, it's preacher, that's a good point, or, you know, you, you're getting smarter, or, you know, maybe they say something like that, <laughs> but what they really mean is, I, I trust you now, and I love you now in a way that I, I didn't before. You know, that wasn't as dumb as you sounded all those other right. times. Yeah. Like, that's some ways, that's some of the way people try to encourage. Right, so yeah. You, you know. All right, let's, last few minutes, let's turn to, okay, so how does a pastor who's realizing the turn is starting to happen, Right. how does he lead? Does he lead differently? Does he not? Any thought on that? Yeah, well, again, Brian, I, I think what you can do is some of the hard conversations that you might have put off. Yeah. So, yeah. And some uh, needed confrontation. Mm-hmm. And there's a tension in the word as a pastor between the servant of the Lord must be gentle, and then also uh, Titus chapter 1, this testimony is true, therefore reprove them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Yep, yep. Jesus said to the disciples at times, I have other things to say to you, and you're not able to handle it. The writer to the Hebrews confronts them with their immaturity. He's, by now you ought to have been teachers, uh, but you have need that someone should teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not meat. Mm-hmm. And so what? It, there, now that itself is... Uh, <laughs> Somebody who knows them, loves them, and is willing to say something hard to them. Yeah. He's also, again, and this is another podcast, perhaps, you know, he's also willing to say, I'm going to take you where you are, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to let you know this is how I see you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just going to think that in my heart. I'm not just going to tell other preachers about it, but there comes a time to say, hey, folks, this is, I've been here long enough. I'm with you. I'm among you. I love you. I care for you. But we're really bad at this. Mm-hmm. Or that when you know, when Paul when Paul said Cretans are always, well, you know what? First Baptist Church is always, mm-hmm. and 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 we have been for a long time. Maybe we don't have the best reputation in town, yeah. Or whatever the case might be. Or you know, our marriages right now are in such a state that we're not able to shine the light the way that we could. And yeah. we need to do something. You know, so all of a sudden you're able to give a very practical but bold, loving confrontation 
uh, that can come. I think that's something that can happen when we when when we know that we're trusted and loved. Yeah, I think that's good. I'm going to say something similar, but not exactly the same thing, in regard to uh, how do you now lead out of this place of trust. Uh, I would word it as you start picking battles that you waited to pick. Mm, yeah, so now right, you, right. you, what you, you are, put it off. What you articulated right. was good, like from a relational standpoint, right. even. But I, I want to turn it almost to a just church wide. Uh, what issues in the church? Right. What, what what sacred cows have you left alone because they're sacred cows? Right. You know it's going to burn a lot of collateral that you got right. in the bank, and now it's time to burn it. So I I, right. I would say I think one of the ways you start leading differently is you start picking the battles and fighting them that you were waiting to, to do until that pl- mm. that point. Now, what are those battles? How do you fight them? That's a several different podcast, another podcast right. conversation. But I just want to put that out there. If there's ever if there's a shift that takes place in how you lead, yeah. it is, okay, these battles I really had to pick wisely. Right. Now, you still always have to pick your battles wisely. But when you have the no, collateral to spend, yep. you don't have to be as careful about the battles. <clears throat> and then it becomes more of how do we fight them. Right. But, you know, so I, there are battles that I fought in our church that I waited till six, seven, eight years in and went really smooth compared right. to what... What would have happened if I did it five years? Right, before? they trust you now. They trust your handling of the scriptures. But, they they trust that you're not out to get them. They know that you're committed to them. But, but that's and, the and key. Here, right, right. That's my and point. So they, right, exactly. So um, you know, so they hear you now, right? That's so that's the thing. And and yeah, had you said, uh, you know, day one, we're gonna we're gonna clean up the elders and the deacon. Yeah. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do this. The Bible says it, and and yeah, Bible does say it. And there's a part of it you want to say. Well, you ought to be able to go in there and say all that stuff day one. But what you recognize and what you're saying here, Brian, is you, you begin to realize that okay, they're not hearing me right now. And part of the reason they may not be hearing me may not be because they're just a bunch of goats. Yeah. But because they, I'm not yet their shepherd. I'm not really their shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow. That's a truism about shepherds. Let me see. Let me see. It's really good because I want to say a word on that, and that is one of the big mistakes I see guys going and make as pastors when they interview with a church is they put everything on the table to the church. Here's what I'd do if I was your mm-hmm. pastor. Now, mm-hmm. some guys are like, "No, I'm being honest and open and forthright." Right. Okay, I'm not saying don't be honest. I'm saying though. You need to actually process how much can they handle about your quote unquote vision mm-hmm. when they don't trust you a lick at this mm-hmm. point. So for you to go in and go, yeah. So what I do is in the in the first five years we're gonna you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna remove all these people off the membership role, and in year seven we're, I'm moving to elders. And I know the church has never done that, but that's what we're gonna do. And you know you just lay out this this ten year plan in front of them. They don't have any category one to process it. And if they even do, they don't trust you. They're, they're, then their mind is racing with, well, how's he going to do this? And they're yeah. going to, that, that's a really bad idea in general. And a lot of guys go in thinking, that's what I'm supposed to do now. You need to share, be, be open and share when right. they ask you questions. How are you going to do this and how are you going to do that? But a lot of guys make the mistake going, I need to show them everything I want to do. So here's what they think. I'm going to show all this to them. So when I do it, I get to come back and say, remember I brought that up. You know when you're right, interviewing, right. Me. if you're starting to get angry and with it, me, you're rejecting it. And it means it. nothing when you present it to them in that in that interview process. Yeah. And I think this is a really fascinating thing to try to deal with, Brian. In this sense, that there is a difference between the authority of the word and your authority to give it in a specific situation. Yep, that's right. The word is authoritative, and sometimes what they're rejecting is not necessarily the word. 
it's it's it is you at this time mm. and and what you think well they just can't handle the truth well maybe they can't handle you yet yeah that's and a good your point. ability that's exactly and, right. and that's what we need to recognize and realize is that yeah i can come in gangbusters as a as a as a prophet and knock down the idols and and, and and do all of that and then have it on my resume that I blew up two or three churches because I was so faithful they couldn't handle it. And it might and it might be, again, maybe yeah. it is. Maybe the problem was that they, they maybe they were unregenerate and all just of the rest. Just hearing you say it that way. Yeah. Just, just but, you know, but yeah, but maybe the problem was that they didn't, they didn't trust you. You couldn't be the dad yet. So it's like, I thought of this earlier, Brian, uh, a man marries a, a, a widow, maybe, and she's got four children. He's their stepdad, right? Yeah, he becomes their stepdad. But yeah. is he, but there comes a time when maybe, hopefully, through the t- through a, a year or so later, that the kids call him. They stop calling him Jerry and yeah. call him Dad. Yeah, or five it, years later. Yeah, whatever right? it yeah, is, whatever. whatever it is. Maybe the little kid does it early, you yeah. know. But the others that all of a sudden now they're not. He's not just a guy. He's not just mom's husband. Yeah, that's a helpful. But analogy. he's but he is our dad. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, okay, you come in, and so how are you going to use your authority? How are you going to speak? Well, you can't just talk to those kids. You shouldn't just talk to those kids day one as though they're your birth children that have been with you your yeah. whole life. Yeah. And, and so anyway, so hopefully again, you, you, that happens. I'm, I'm sorry, this is a sidebar, but when you said <laughs> when you said that a minute ago that that I'm just too faithful for them to handle it, it makes me think think of when, when someone's asked, "Tell me one of your weaknesses," and the only answer they got is, "I just care too much." Like, <laughs> that's just what that means. That's what that felt like to me. I'm sorry. just too honest. I'm right. Just too I'm, honest. I'm too honest. All right. So as we wrap this, up, any final word around um, how does a uh, how does a pastor just faithfully use that trust? That is a precious gift that that congregation is, though he's earned it in a way with his faithful labors. It's a stewardship. It is a stewardship, and and it should be and it should be used. And that you you may have been careful and wise in the early years of your life in ministry, and you spent very very little. You don't want that to be said ten years down the road, and and that and that the battles that should be fought are not. They kept getting kicked down. They kept, they keep getting kicked down. The confrontation that needs to be had, the discipline that might need to be brought, mm-hmm. the the guy who really needs to be told, you know, certain things, and you've been afraid to do it. You felt you didn't earn the right. Well, five years in, you certainly should have that right, and if you don't, then something else is wrong. Yeah. Um, God, God is requiring of a steward that he be found faithful. And yeah. so spend it well, but do spend it. It's good. Here's my final word as just really a word of encouragement, and even motivation to work, you know, labor faithfully to get to that place where, you, where you're in a trust. Because it's one thing uh, to be seen as the pastor of a congregation and to be trusted like that. And what, what joys come out of being able to care for people around that. But I want to say it's even a whole nother experience to pastor people who clearly did not trust you before, mm. and you and somehow God, you win them through the, the favor and the Spirit's work, yep. the favor of God and the Holy Spirit's mm. work. That that's a whole nother level of joy to pastor people when yeah. you look across and then realize, man, they 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 did not trust me and told me, and then over the course of these years they've come to trust me. There's, it's it's hard to compare that to anything. That's a pretty sweet thing to experience. Yeah. And I want to say, if you're in the middle of this wondering if people are ever going to trust you, it, it's worth continuing on yeah. 
Because if you do experience that, it's a great joy. So, Jim, we take a minute and pray for sure. folks who are in the middle of this. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you use uh, the word and our labors to build bridges, um, to deepen relationships, and Lord, even to win, as it were, credibility and affection from uh, those to whom we labor. Father, do uh, help uh, all who listen to this to be wise and careful, uh, to be discerning. Uh, but Lord, when they recognize and realize that things have turned and that you have granted them favor, Lord, help them to be wise and, and faithful in the stewardship of that trust, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.